Welcome to the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me I have my boy, J.O., here in the place to be as always. Appreciate you for joining me as we chop it up over the classics, my man, as always. And here in the vault, we have the saying, hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics, and that's what we do here at the vault nothing but the classic so jay we are here at it again yes sir coming up again on another anniversary and this one is a 30-year anniversary coming up on the 30-year anniversary of bell biv devoe poison 30 years ago this is how i know i feel old (laughs) (laughs) this is how i know i feel old because they're old now (laughs) fifties <laughs> now, right? Yeah, they're well into their fifties, man. But those guys, they started, you know, they started as a part of New Edition. And for those, of course, of you who are of a certain age who don't know the story behind Bell Bib DeVoe, <laughs> here it is: Ricky Bell, Michael Bivens, and Ronnie DeVoe started out as a part of a group called New Edition, the first boy band, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know who New Edition is. Go look it up. Not, <laughs> and new if, kid, not new kids on the block. Not but new kids, right? Exactly. Yeah, the first boy band was a black, was it was a black band called New Edition. New so Edition was yeah. New Edition. Who, ironically enough, new kids on the block were started as well by more by Maury Starr, who was the original producer and also record record label executive who signed them with their records, who did them dirty. But after they left his company, he started New Kids on the Block, another group from Boston, mm. <laughs> to sort of counteract what was going on with New Edition. So. But Bell Biv DeVoe is made up of Ricky Bell, Ronnie DeVoe, and Michael Bivens. They were an offshoot of the group. This sort of happened during the first uh, hiatus that New Edition had, Mm -hmm. which was right after the huge smash, Any Heartbreak, which came out in 1988 and well, well into 1989 with the Heartbreak Tour, which was still a legendary tour with not only new edition, but then one of their former members as well, Bobby Brown, and also Al B. Shore, who was on that tour. And after the Heartbreak album, New Edition sort of took a break because their members of their groups had a lot of different projects they wanted to pursue themselves. So famously enough, Ralph Trasvant came out with his solo album, did very well. That album went platinum. Johnny Gill had his probably, I think it was at that time, his second or third album, mm-hmm. uh, which did very, very well as well. And then the other half of the group, which made up of Bell Bib DeVoe, came out with their album. And this was an album that it was pretty much looking to capitalize on a new style. And anyone who knows about anything about New Edition, and if you know anything about Bell Bib DeVoe, well, it was all about a fusion of a couple of different genres. Hip-hop, R&B, and soul. As a matter of fact, what has been made famous on their album cover, which has been said in all of their albums, is that they are mentally hip hop smoothed out on an R and B tip with the <laughs> pop feel appeal to it. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I remember like at the bottom of the poison video, yeah, come across yeah. the bottom of that joint. Yeah, so, yeah, so they're trying to explain to people exactly what it was. So, and Bell BBD came out in a era right there in those late eighties, early nineties, 
where hip hop was in a really, really interesting place because you had a lot of different things going on. You had really the emergence of the West Coast with NWA, with Too Short and, you know, acts like Richie Rich and Paris. You also saw the emergence of the Miami bass music with Luke and Two Live Crew. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, I think hip hop. And then you also saw hip hop. This is when they were becoming a viable subsection within the Grammys. The first Grammy was 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 actually awarded in 1990 at the Grammys to famously DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I have to say about that time in hip hop, Jay, is that what I think about is partying. Right around that time, the same time House Party came out, yeah, yeah. you know, Kid and Play, who are famously a group as well. When I think about that album, I think about partying and good times because that's what really strikes me when I listen to this type of music, you know? Yeah, yeah like I think, yeah, plus like around the time, the whole New Jack Swing thing. Yeah, so New like, Jack Swing. That, I mean, I don't think it was directly like that, but it definitely complimented New Jack Swing. So, like, it did. Yeah, so I mean, I, like, I definitely think about that. I mean, I was young, like, Andy, I was like, fourth grade or something like that yeah so this was i was young too it was i think i was if you were in the fourth i was in the third but i remember this album a lot so just to give you the particulars on bbd's album of poison came out march 20th 1990 30 years ago recorded between 1989 and 90 of course a mix of new jack swing funk r&b and hip-hop runtime of 47 minutes 28 47 minutes 28 seconds on mca the executive, of course, Lou, Lou Silas, who worked on their albums as well with New Edition through MCA and Universal, uh, Bell Bib DeVoe. You also had a production on here done famously by a lot of it done by the Bomb Squad for Public Enemy, which explains a lot of the hip hop feel to it. And it's an interesting story when you sort of get behind the hip hop feel to it. As a matter of fact, there were stories when they decided to go off in the direction and take this group dynamic of forming the group itself that they were looking for a little bit of a different sound. So actually when they showed up to record the album, Keith Shockley, who was a part of the bomb squad said they showed up and they showed up looking like they were coming from a new edition show. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, nah, 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 man, B you can't be doing an album that you want to do showing up looking like this. So what did they do? They took them to Harlem to hip hop spots to make them shop for new clothes, jeans, sneakers, t-shirts. And anybody who knows anything about Mike Bivens and Ronnie DeVoe, they were very fashionable you know, into the yeah. sneaker game, the way that the fashion was in the early 1990s. Like, they were really into that type of th that type of stuff. So they worked with the Bomb Squad and a lot of different other producers on here as well. Dr. Freeze, they did a lot of the work as well. A lot of the writing and stuff that came from it came from Ricky Bell writing things for this. Of course, a lot of the writing came from Michael, from Michael Bivens and Ronnie DeVoe as well. So they had that certain sound to it. He's like... New Jack Swing infused into a hip hop, early 90s infused into an R&B and soul. And you sort of get all those things and mash it up. And this is what you got. So the the reception for this, of course, is a great uh, album that did very, very well. Sold four million copies in the U.S., which was a lot. Even back then, four million copies in the, it was a lot of records to sell. And um, considering the fact that this was more of like a French act, it was a pretty good showing. But we'll sort of get into as far as, Jay, your reaction to it when first listening to it. Even back then, I know this is something that you remember, even though we were so young, mm -hmm. but because it was it was a, such a big hit commercially. And also after all these years, 30 years afterwards, what you still think about even listening to it to this day? Yeah. So like um, like I said, I was pretty young when it came out. So, of course, the one thing I do remember from back then is Poison. And like that was definitely I would say definitely their, you know, what I'm saying their meal ticket, because honestly, I think I hear just as much now as I did back in 1990. Mm -hmm. Um so be that and the track do me, you know what I'm saying? Like um 
even though like some of the lyrics on there will be kind of unacceptable now, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I'll, I'll say what they are in a minute, but like I mean, one of the biggest highlights I would say in throughout all of this, I would say it was a really a good it was really a good opportunity for Ricky Bell like to really shine, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because like honestly, I mean I really feel like in in New Edition, like you know he was kind of overshadowed by like. Um, like uh, Bobby Brown, Ralph Tresvan, you know, like, you know what I'm saying as far as like the singers who are great singers and great performers, but like Ricky had a lot to offer too, and I just feel like he didn't really get that opportunity at least with the first wave of New Edition coming out. So mm-hmm. like Bell Bib DeVoe, I mean, that really gave him a chance to showcase because I mean he did some amazing vocals on these on these songs. So back to what I was saying as far as like the song "Do Me," like I mean the dream backstage underage adolescent. Yeah. How you doing that? Might yeah, not yeah. go over too well now. Not go over but, too well now, and it didn't uh, go over well then either. Like. I was reading that there were a lot of stations that radio stations that did not want to play it because of the content that was in that song. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I must have missed it as far as, cause I definitely remember that song. I, I remember the video yeah. being played and I do remember, I remember being on the radio on PGC and KYS. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe they, maybe they just, they just like, no, what? Oh, well, just yeah. Play it. So I think that's because what the people wanted, but in some other markets where hip hop and rap and R and B wasn't as prevalent, they were probably like, yeah, we're not playing this. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like um, overall, like, I mean, it kept up the theme of like partying and all like that. Cause I mean, the joint thought it was mean, like, mm-hmm. It kind of was like a letdown as far as like you know you think that girls into you, but that's just how she is. Then that's that don't really mean she's particularly into you. Uh-huh. But I mean like the way the beat was and everything like that. I mean it's still like upbeat and you could still party, dance all, to it or whatever like that. And then and this is one thing I kind of like with New Edition. Like there, there was always this vulnerability piece of it. Mm-hmm. During um, when will I see you smile again? Yeah, like I mean it kind of like takes to the, to the same vein they were in when they recorded um, "Can You Stay in the Rain." Yeah, because you know like R and B joints, they really wasn't talking about. Are you gonna be through the, like the bad times as well as the good? Yeah. So it kind of like talked about the down part of the relationship as far as like you know if you mess up or whatever like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying I apologize tell me what to do to get through to you like yeah a lot of, I mean it was kind of cool they explored that aspect of where like you no know, a lot of people I don't think anybody was really going there at that time and you know I'm saying people always imitate I apologize nice. like, <laughs> yeah I mean and another and that was another one Ricky Bell really got to showcase his vocals because he he sounded amazing on that track he so did. he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking about the whole thing, like my my one side issue with Ralph Tresvant, who just like it just popped in my mind. When we were talking about this, like mm-hmm. facing the whole sensitivity thing, which I even hated as a child. Like <laughs> even which I even hate now as a whole grown adult. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause I, I mean, cause like even when, like somebody, if you, if you're familiar with like the term of, of a simp. I always like if you if you say something like real simpish, I'm like, yeah, that's like the Ralph Tresvan award for simps. Like, you know, yeah, what I mean? nah, <laughs> I hear you. Hey, look, man, but Ralph had it though. He had the voice, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, talented dude. I just hated that song. I hear you. Nah, <laughs> nah, I understand. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The thing about this album, what I remember, and I used to listen to the radio a lot because I had three older sisters. Okay. And I had one sister at the time who was pretty much college age, and a couple of co- actually college age sisters and another one of my sisters who was also elementary school with me when you have to hang out with your older siblings sometimes you listen to what they listen to especially when you're hanging out with them this album stuff like this and heavy d and the boys was in big and heavy rotation during that particular time and what was the big thing about back then in that time was dancing right yeah the dance i mean how many times have you seen actually dance routines to something like poison or to stuff like do me or even the stuff like, you know, word to the mother mm-hmm. where you see stuff like this done. Like, so I remember that because it was so big on the radio and because 
those songs were bangers back then. And even still now, like you can still just see people wanting to get up and move during those times. So they were big with that group, especially with, with teenage girls and college age girls. They yeah. loved the fact that this was a type of music, but the fusion of the music though, to me, I thought it was interesting listening to it now, even having been grown up is sort of thinking about the period of the fusion of R and B and hip hop, which had been done before to a certain extent. But I think, actually co-mingling to them together in an album for a whole album's worth hadn't really been done before. Now you were seeing a little bit of it with the heavy D and the boys and you had seen some stuff. Even Levert had a, um, a hip hop feature as well in the late eighties. So you would see it like, you know, like the, the formula used to be a singer would sing for two or three verses and then a the rapper would come in for like an eight, an eight bar right, verse right. or, you know what I'm pretty, saying? Pretty standard. And pretty <laughs> much would do something like that just to sort of hip hop the track up a little bit. This is a whole album pretty much filled with this. So the exception of a couple of songs, but to me, what I, what I listen, like you said, this is pretty much an album. And we talked about this before. To me, this is an album that they found a way to eat off of for the rest of their professional careers. Yeah, because as long as, yeah, as, as poison's out, bro, yeah. they, they, they getting, somebody getting a check. Well, yeah. yeah. Somebody's so. going to get a check every time poison's going to be played. And it's just stuff like that. Like you said, do me, of course is a very provocative song. It was controversial. The fact that some people didn't want to play it and the content of the actual song itself, though it is a good song. And I love the beat of course as well. You know, that was actually, um, produced by Bell Biv DeVoe themselves. And, but being able to hear things like that and see the stuff like Ain't Nothing Changed and, then, you know, Word to the Mother and Do Me Dope, which was done by Dr. Freeze. And Dr. Freeze, of course, he was going to continue to get checks because of that poison beat as well. And so Yeah, and um, low-key, I probably will say, like, when that verse with... Um on do me R. Kelly's probably in the back like yeah this motherfucker's spitting exactly (laughs) (laughs) my birthday (laughs) (laughs) this motherfucker's spitting In Colorado, you can legally gamble in Blackhawk, Central City, Cripple Creek, and licensed online sports betting. Protect our communities. Learn more at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, that's a I, good I, one, Jay. I, I, I gotta make a meme of that. Yeah, no bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Yo, if you can find that, put them lyrics on the FL Kelly, like this motherfucker spit. Oh, no, I think I'm gonna make that one. <laughs> nah, I gotta, I gotta devote some time to this. Indeed. Oh, man, that is funny as hell. But then to also get the ballads for I Do Need You and When Will I See mm. You Smile Again. Like right. to me, When Will I See You Smile Again, like you said, is in the vein of what the ballads that Norton, that new edition would do. And I have to agree with you. This is really an opportunity for Ricky Bell to sort of shine because like you said, when you have at one particular time, you have two and then maybe even three other vocalists in front of you in regards to being able to do that, whether it was Ralph Tresvant or Bobby Brown. And then later on with Johnny Gill, Mm -hmm. sometimes you sort of get lost in the shuffle. And to me, Ricky did a great job. Like you said, especially on when will I see you smile again? Cause that's still even a hit now. What I remember is they, they actually, performed after a Wizards game about three years ago, BBD did, and uh, everyone went crazy over Poisoned. Another song that everybody sort of, they everybody sung almost word to word was When Will I See You Smile Again, to the point where these Batman took their mics down and just, all you hear this, <laughs> tell me when will I see you smile again, because you know I miss you. Baby, like it was just like wow, like you hear that, hey, hey, hey. yeah, like you hear that shit, and it's just like yes, that's what the hell I'm talking about. So it's only a ten track album. One of them is actually even just an extended version of Poison, like a club mix of Poison, and so 
it's a short and sweet album. And then just to sort of go into the other aspect of it, like the hip hop aspect of it, like let's, I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. Now there are no notable quotables here. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because there are no, I mean, other than my man with the underage joint and then the one little, the verse of poison that everybody knows that Ronnie spit and then Mike spit me and afterwards, the crew used to do me and the crew used to do her. Yeah. That's about it. That's, that's about it. But other than that, there's not going to be notable quotables here. So you are not listening to this. Four bars, okay? I did sure wasn't. I did nine years yeah, old. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to get any notable quotables in this, but what Ricky, excuse me, what Ronnie and Mike did was play their part, which was pretty much the appeal that they brought not only to New Edition, but what they invented to bring it to them, bring it to the table with their own thing with Belle Bib DeVoe was they had that hip-hop aspect with them. To them, they were the more... I mean, all the new edition were sort of into hip hop because they grew up, especially in the beginning stages of hip hop, when it was just still a very, very new thing. And they were sort of into it because people sort of thought like, you know, oh, like there was that (laughs) there was that uh, that during the the new edition uh, uh, story, which was actually done by BET, which I thought was actually very well done, by the way. One of the better well done music biopics and many series that they had they did is that. You know the the character Gary, who was played by Michael Rappaport, said when they were when Mike was trying to make the argument to have more hip hop related stuff, and then Gary said, "Well, hip hop. Well, let's let's see if that's still around in another twenty or thirty years." Here we <laughs> so, are in twenty twenty. Oh yeah, bro. <laughs> but but that's really that's really what you know they brought the aspect to is sort of like that hip hop flavor because you were starting to get into an era of urban music of R&B and hip hop where the marriage started to get melded just a little bit more. Hence you'd be able to see stuff. Like you said, heavy D and the boys, you saw more R&B artists doing collaborations with rappers, not just rappers doing an eight bar verse on an R&B song, but then you had R&B singers being featured and not just the, just hook singers. You found actual viable, you know, superstar artists singing hooks on rap songs yeah. till we get to the point to later on in the decade, you see, uh, you know, uh, we just talked about this is this before a, a group like Jodeci, mm-hmm. you know, where there's definitely a little bit more. You get a producer like Devonte Swing, who you know did a lot of New Jack Swing stuff, and eventually transitioned into more modern sound, doing a lot more of like stuff that had a hip hop feel to it. Yeah. Hence, you get to Mary J. Blige later on in the '90s, where it became hip hop soul became a thing. Right. You know, she's the reigning queen of that. Yeah, man. exactly. So you get a lot of, a lot of that into this now. So you have to give, I do have to say you have to give Belbib DeVoe credit. And while Ricky definitely handled the lion's share of the vocals on here, you have to give him credit for doing a big, a good job. What Ronnie and Mike did here was pretty much play their role. Cause even they said when the bomb squad worked with them, they just said, all right, Ricky, you got the vocals on this, right? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, even said this, and this is an article, we'll put this in the show notes, which is Pitchfork's uh, review of this album. You know, Keith Shockley, member of the Bomb Squad, said based on their strengths, they assigned them roles. Ricky would be the singer, while Mike and Ronnie would stick to rapping. For me, he said it was about crafting a sound where the rapper and the singer could coexist together. He said in two, this was done in article uh, interview done in 2015. He said the rapping and singing had to be married together. So we talk about some, you know, they said in the 80s collaboration between rappers and singers were cookie cutter. You know, you had some stuff. So Gerald Levert, as I mentioned before, did Jeff's Coolin was featuring Heavy D. Um, you had stuff where Bobby Brown was starting to spit verses and stuff mm-hmm. on on uh, Don't Be Cruel, where 1989 on our own. So but what you see here and then, of course, that sample from Poison is from Cool G's Raps Poison in 1989. That <laughs> Poison 
poison, po- 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 poison. <laughs> so what you do is when you do a, a rapper like Cool G Rap, who was a big rap star at that particular time, one of the best MCs ever. Hopefully but, he's getting a check. So. Yeah, but in that particular time, you know, when you have that, it's like, okay, when you hear a sample from a hip-hop song on an R&B song and it's funky like that, what that is is they said in this article, it gave like a dog whistle to the hip-hop heads to be like, oh, okay, all right, well, these, these kids... You know what I'm saying? Like you see your know, B-boys and stuff start to break during this joint and everything else. And that really was the marriage, I think, when it started to be able to come. And props to the Bomb Squad for Keith Shockley and the Bomb Squad for really being able to create a sound for these guys. Because basically what they were working with was one singer and two sort of rappers. Yeah. <laughs> but really, to me, what worked with Bell Bib DeVoe more than anything else was it was the appeal of the sound. Because the sound was something that it was just like you had never heard anything like that before for rap and R&B to be married together into one particular project. So and now even to the point where you listen to it and this was the album, like we said, they ate off this album because the other two albums that they did, the other three albums that they did. Didn't do that well. <laughs> and and if, um, if it's any indicator, I mean, just. You probably didn't even know they had like an album after Poison. So like that just gives you an indicator as far as like how well or lack thereof it is. Right. And Hootie Mac was the album after after (laughs) Poison, by the way. But after that point, uh, that's when New Edition, all the members of New Edition have sort of struggled up to that point. And their second albums and their third albums didn't do all that great. So then that's when they came back together in 96 to re- to for the Home Again album. Right. It was also said during that album, well, during that part where Brooke was song, he said, yeah, man, all of them in debt. Every single one of their second and third albums flopped. <laughs> he said, why you think they doing this in the first place? <laughs> so Get them coins, bro. Get them coins, man. So I do got to give them credit, man, because they definitely did play a different uh, a, a part in the culture. Because at some point in time, it was like R&B is supposed to look, look and sound like a certain thing. Like one of the things that I noticed, uh, especially about that time, is that you had R&B producers like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and then Babyface and... Uh, L.A. Reid, and you had like the R&B singers looked and acted a certain way. And then I think what that did was sort of start to usher in the hip hop look into R&B where you weren't necessarily, you know, looking all clean with a suit or, you know, your hair looking a certain way, like very polished. It gave a little bit of an edge to it. Then you start to see Mary J. Blige. Mary coming from where she come from looked very hip-hop in her look. Aaliyah looking very hip-hop in right. her look. TLC looking very hip-hop in their look. Right. I think a lot of that is an offshoot of what BBD started. Hmm. And Heavy D and the boys, I would have to say as well. Yes, I, didn't, I mean, it makes sense. I didn't make the connection previously, but yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, so. yeah. So, uh, so I have to give them props, man. They ate off this album. Four million records sold. And 1990 was big because now people consume music in a different time, you know, different way that back then. Yeah. Everything was record store. It was tape. Right. It was album. It was uh, vinyl. It was CD. Yeah, there was no streaming. There was no MP3s. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you were rewinding the hell out of that tape yes. or running that record back a whole lot, yep. you know, and... I just can, can imagine the people that were lining up to be able to buy this because of the sound of it. And now it's endured a lot over these over this these last 30 years. And, of course, the stuff that they're still eating off of and the, the hits on this song, Do Me, uh, the hits on this album, Do Me, Poison, When Will I See You Smile Again, and then the production on this handled by the Bomb Squad, just, just great. So... So we'll sort of get into it as far as how you feel about it, man. To you, what do you what do you say it is? You say it's a, what do you say as far as classic? Is it certified to you, borderline, or just in its time? Actually, I think I might, I might have to roll with a classic on this one, given its influence and the fact that Poison is still a big hit even now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
I mean, 30 years later, how many artists, even like the most loved artists, even say that? You know what I mean? Like, Sir Mixed Baby got back. That's still a hit yeah. now. And yeah. how nothing but a G thing is still a hit now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I don't even think you say that about Snoop as great as Doggy Style was, but like, I don't hear people playing, like, what's my name? Like, they do nothing but a G thing or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. for them to achieve that feat, I mean, I, I would say puts them in a classic mode. And they had other bangers on that album that, you know, stood the test of time. Like, yeah. When I See You Smile Again definitely stood the test of time. So, I mean, the other stuff may sound kind of dated, maybe like a nostalgic feel to it, but still good material. But that one transcends everything, I guess, with it being a ballad. So, yeah. Yes, I would say those albums made it made it a classic, in my opinion. It's certified classic to me as well, and I think because this is an album that you can pull out even 40, 40 years after it came out, and you can pull it out of the party, and people will still jam to it. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but it's something that you can sit there and listen to and be like, "Damn, this is um, this is crazy, man!" Like, yo, it, it's to me. I think the influence to me is what to what to me what makes this a certified classic more so than anything else. The music. Is good. There's exceptional stuff on here with Poison and When Will I See You Smile Again and and Do Me and Word to the Mother. But to me, I think the influence is what to, what makes this a certified classic to me because it, it helped set the stage for what we would see later on in the decade when it came to the marriage of hip-hop and R&B, which became huge by the time the end of the decade came, out, came around. Yeah. So I definitely would have to say that. They didn't do much after this, man, but Belle Biv DeVoe was definitely probably known more as a part of New Edition than they probably will be known as a group. But if you had to get one album, to be able to make your mark on the industry, this is the album that you pick, and they they executed it. No doubt. So props to them and props to the Bomb Squad for giving that hip hop feel to this. So again, mentally hip hop smoothed out on the R and B tip with a pop feel appeal to it. So yeah, hey, watch watch the Poison video; it's right there at the bottom right. of it. You gonna see it. exactly. So, but there it is, BBD Poison. Make sure you go check it out. It is a must if you were going to party nowadays, and for of course for nostalgia, it's always good to be able to look back on it. So make sure that y'all go check that out. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure that you check us out on our host, Podbean, vaultcmr.podbean.com. You can also check us out on our link tree on all of our social media sites. You can get to us on Facebook and YouTube by searching The Vault Classic Music Reviews. You can also get us on Instagram at The Vault CMR Podcast. That's Vault CMR Podcast. Myself personally, at It's Lesson. That's at ITS Lesson. And IV Creative. That's I-V-E-C-R-E-8. And then, of course, you can get us on Twitter at Vault Classic. That's Twitter at Vault Classics. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure you have that friend, tell a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.